Hello and welcome to Quest for Connection podcast. I am Deb Bowen, the anchor host for this exciting podcast adventure, and I am so delighted and honored that you are joining us again this week. You are joining people from around the world. We're so excited. We have people from many, many countries joining us, and we are so happy and honored to be connecting with so many of you. I am uh, co-hosting this week with my lovely friend Dale Rutman, who is just an amazing woman, folks. Uh, Dale is a certified hypnotherapist. She is a massage therapist. She is a Reiki master. She is a past life regressionist trained by Dolores Cannon and her method. And Dale is with us this week to talk about the beginnings of past lives. And I'm so excited to have Dale have this conversation with us this week. So, Dale, welcome, and tell us where in the world is the beginning? That's a very interesting question, isn't it? How it is. Be- <laughs> How do you begin with past life? Because it really is one big circle, and to find a beginning is uh, quite a challenge, quite a challenge. And I know that you have uh, had past lives that you remember, and I, I have yes, and I've had a past a couple of past life regressions done with me that I remember, and it's just um, trying to figure it all out with everything happening all at one time since there really is no time and. Time is, is we try to make it linear, and it's not. So that is quite um, a challenge to figure all that out. So um, I tend to think that um, the beginning might be when we are all with our soul group, um, when we're planning out our lives, and we all do have a soul group, and from what I understand, uh, our soul group is quite enormous. So um, speaking of the soul group, what I do, um, and you had said that I was trained by Dolores Cannon, and if I can speak about that just for a moment. um, Sure. Okay. Um, One reason I even became a hypnotherapist was because I had heard Dolores Cannon speak and I was so taken aback by her that I thought, I want to try this. I, I just, she just spoke to me very deeply, right to my soul. And I thought, I want to find out more about her. And so I saw that she taught classes in her own technique of, of being regressed back to past lives and for other things. But in order to take her class, you had to become a hypnotherapist or she wouldn't teach you. So I went and became a hypnotherapist. And after I did that, which took some time, then I was able to take one of her classes. And that's when I learned her only technique that she put together and learned that. And then I started to basically drop off the people that were trying to stop smoking, drop off the people that were trying to lose weight, and start 
bringing in these people that wanted to basically time travel, go back in time, and and go into a light um, and explore. And so what I did was the same thing Dolores always did, was take them to the last day of their life. And then I would take them beyond the last day of their life. And then I thought, well, you know what? I wonder if I could take them a little further to when before they were born. And Dolores had done this as well, and get information. And so the information um, came as they were part of a big soul group. And what they would do is they would plan out a life and they would ask different soul group energies, their soul family, to play out roles for them before they were born. And they would choose their mother, their father, their brother, their sister, um, based on what lessons and experiences they wanted to learn when they came into a human form. And it's with everything that I came across, with everything I read from Dolores and some others, that was the common denominator of what happened. So I thought that was just very interesting. What do you think, Deb? Well, well, it is interesting. And, you know, I, if, folks, you need to know that um, I have had several sessions with Dale where she has regressed me. And one of the lifetimes that I went to in a session with Dale is one that we can prove that the woman I said I was really existed. Right. And I said, that was interesting, you know, yes. Woo, boy, is that fascinating to me that, that, we, that we were able to, to locate her. It was amazing. However, um, Dale, I, I have to go back here. You know, you're also reminding me of having read, uh, and I don't know that you want to mention this, but, but let me just ask, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. Yes, His book yes. is probably the one that, that folks probably most know about in terms of soul groups. And, mm-hmm. I, and I understand the idea of traveling in soul groups. I know that uh, many, many, many people in my life in this lifetime are folks with whom I have had past lives. You, for example, being one. Um, right. Joel, you know, we, lots of folks have we, we've traveled together and agree really to participate in each other's movies of each of our lifetimes is kind of the way I conceptualize it. But but here's a question that I have for you. I I get the idea of soul groups, but what was I before I was an I? Is that a question that we can ponder? For, here's what I mean. I remember having a reading one time with a, a psychic who told me that all of us were a part of that energy that, that, for lack of a better word, we call God. Right. That creative force. And that right. we chose to individuate away from that creative force in order to have a human experience through many right. lifetimes and to learn human lessons. It, does that ring true for you? Is that how you see it or not? That is how I see it. And um, what what happens is this. Once you you pull, you know, you, you do that and you become that consciousness, then you can take the life of basically anything as you're expanding your consciousness. Um, I have um, 
done regression on people that before they came here as a human, they were a deer. I had a lady who was uh, a vine. And, you know, it sounds like, oh, my goodness, what a, bo- you know, what a boring life. But that was a wonderful life. And if you can hear explain how when the sun would come out, she would just expand herself and things like that. And all the descriptions behind it, you think, man, I would like to be a vine baby, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> but that consciousness expands and then you... Um, so with your soul group, when you when you decide that you're going to come away from the the universal consciousness and you're going to not completely separate, but just be aware of that you can take a form, and that's what it is. You're taking a form to learn something, then you can go ahead and incarnate into to whatever. So. You you have a soul group, but you don't necessarily always have to keep with that same soul group because some people that have, say, you with your soul group, you can decide, you know, I don't want to incarnate on this planet again, but I think I want to incarnate on another planet. Then you can join another soul group on another planet, and you can incarnate there. So it's a choice. It's a choice. You can do that as well. And um, that's the expansiveness of it all. It that's is. so cool. It is I'm trying cool. <laughs> I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, because, of course, what you're saying is, is extremely controversial. And for some reason, lots of folks have lots of very strong opinions about what we're talking about, uh, which is okay. I, you know, I, I, because mm-hmm. how, I, how do we know? We don't know. Uh, but when yeah. when you talk, you know some folks of course don't believe that you could come have come into uh, the earth plane in the form of a four legged person or a winged person or a plant person as you've just described but that isn't possible. Other people believe that you start there and and progress into some kind of hierarchical form until you become human form. So there's certainly different ways of looking at that. The idea that we can also be beings, uh, what you and I might call star beings, on other planets and on other galaxies far, far away is a whole other way of looking at this that I don't know that, that folks either believe or entertain or that they do and don't even know what to make of that because that's just mind-boggling. And that brings oh. me to a you know, it does, and that brings me to a bunch more questions for you. Oh, and, please ask. <laughs> okay. So, so one is, you know, you, you mentioned at the very beginning of our time together the idea that we as humans really are in many ways limited to this notion of linear thinking, that, that this happens and then this happens in sequential, sequential events, where you, I think, described it as circular um, right. So it, I want, could you elaborate on that a little more? And um, how about the notion that everything is all happening now? Well, when I described it as circular, it was sort of, I probably shouldn't have used that because it, I'm thinking full, it, things come full, full circle. 
but actually it is all happening at one time. And um, it is, and, and when I said circle, I mean more like the circle of life, you know. Oh, we, come in, we come into this earth, on this earth, we live, we, you know, we pass a crossover, and then we go back to solar spirit form. That's the circle I was referring to. But as far as where we are, and we have different dimensions, and every dimension is just like, it's like you were uh, an insect and you can see all of these dimensions, these facets at one time. That's how I sort of look at it. It's everything is happening at once. And if you could see all of them with your with your uh, earth eyes, it would be a very busy place. And it would be overwhelming. But yes, it does all happen at one time because there is really no time. So that concept, right, right, exactly, exactly. So yes, to answer your question and to sort of clarify that. Thank you, because I'm really, I'm still, that's a, I get that idea intellectually. I get mm-hmm. that everything is happening in the now and that we live in multiple dimensions. I, I get that intellectually. I don't know how to bring it, bring that concept down to a, an emotional and, and gut and soul level of understanding. Well, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever been standing somewhere and out of the corner of your eye, you thought you saw a light or a shadow or maybe a form, and you looked over with your straight ahead and it was gone, you may have been getting a glimpse of another dimension. Some people, Boy, that happens to me all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some, people think, some people say, I think I might have seen a ghost. Or I think I might have seen something, you know, supernatural like that. That could be possible because everything is possible. Mm-hmm. But you may have just caught a glimpse into another dimension. Sometimes people will say, I was washing dishes and I could hear people talking. And um, I think I have a ghost in my house. But it could be a ghost. But it, you could have heard conversation from another dimension. It's that like happens to me as I'm falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, if you can stay with it long enough to listen to the conversation, you might notice that it might be an old conversation, you know, uh, something that might have been from uh, like an old conversation um, or it might be something that you've never heard. They may be discussing something you've never heard before. But it would be it would be interesting to just if you could hang with it and see what they're discussing. Um, but those are times where you may be glimpsing into another dimension. Another dimension. Wow. So it's, it's just a very interesting thing. Yes. So when we're planning our lives with our soul group before we incarnate, we um, decide what we want to experience. And um, and we don't just say, you know, 
will you be my mother and will you just hug me every day and love me to death? We say, I want to know what it feels like to be an abandoned child. Will you be that mother and will you be the type of mother that will abandon me so I can know what that feels like? Because from that abandonment feeling, I plan to become a person that works with children that have that same feeling. And that person or, the, or that soul form will say, yes, I will do that. And so just taking that one example, so you, you are in the womb and you were born on this earth to that one who has decided to incarnate. And you go through the birth process and you start to grow up and you start to realize that this mother is not a great mother. And you forget and you have, have amnesia that you've asked her to do this. And so, of course, society is painting her as negative. You're painting her as negative. You go through all sorts of pain because of it. You don't understand why this is. And, you know, everybody dislikes this person so much. And you still understand why this is. But when you go through your life and you go to the end of your life and you cross back over, and when she crosses back over, she's the first person you're going to hug because she's the one that did what you asked her to do. So, yes, we ask people to do some nice things for us, but, yes, we ask some people to do some not-so-nice things for us. So two questions about that scenario. One is that, that while you have asked this member of your soul group to, to play this role for you so you can learn this in, in a given lifetime, chances are that soul relative has said, absolutely, I will do that for you because I need to learn X, Y, and Z, and our relationship will be that you will help me learn that. So it's reciprocal. Reciprocal. Yes, is that, typical. Yes, is that true? Absolutely. Okay, and okay. that's your that's that's the contract between the two of you, and those contracts are very important. And um, those contracts, that type of contract, will be honored. And um, so that's the contract between you and that person, and that's why sometimes we come into lives and and we feel like, you know, I'm never going to get rid of this person. You know, I'm never going to improve my relationship with this person. It's just not going to happen. It's because that contract is there and it's going to last until we, you know, we end our lives. Sometimes we'll ask a person, can you play this role until I'm about um, earth time 35? And then you can drop out if you want. You know, we can, I'll, it'll be, won't be necessary for you to continue. And so we have this interaction with that person at about, you know, 35 years Earth, Earth time. All of a sudden, our relationship separates. And we don't remember that we asked to do that. And so 
you know, we hang on to this person and hang on to us. It takes a long time for that to happen. And we don't understand it and we're hurt by it or whatever. And so it happens no matter what. And um, we don't quite understand it. But then when we cross over and we get clarity on everything, we understand it. So that's why I don't get excited about when relationships end and new ones begin or uh, people drop out or drop off or, or whatever, because I have come to understand that most things, almost everything happens because we have planned it that way. And it's like you said earlier, that's the movie. Mm-hmm. We we wrote and we produced and we filmed the movie. And right. we're playing our part like we asked others to play their part for us. And the scenery and the setting and, and everything else is a part of that. I, and I'm, this concept comes from Illusions by Richard Bach, which is one of my favorite books in the whole world. Um, but you, that's, that's what we do, I think. Right. I love that right. idea. So a question I would have for you about this, Dale. Everything you talk about makes me want to ask more questions, and I just love oh, this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when I'm doing readings, one of the questions I most often get asked is, what is my life's purpose? What are my life's lessons? I get asked that question a whole lot. And I tune in and I ask my guide and, and he answers that. But for, for folks, generally speaking, um, but I think that, that he, he's not, he doesn't give me a whole lot of details. And I always tell my clients that the reason that that is the case is because each of us needs to figure that out ultimately for ourselves. Um, can you right. can you speak to how we develop our life lessons before we come into a given lifetime, and then and then what that might look like is how we can learn them, learn what well, they are. Well, I like the way Edgar Casey sums it up, but I can be a little more detailed. Edgar Casey says, if you want to know what you're supposed to learn, look around and see who's in your life. And um, what I tell people is this. Sit down and diagram your life. You know, what parents were you born to? Um, What is your name? Because the date you were born, your name, you know, you chose your name. Um, And see, see, look at your parents and see what you've learned so far from them. Look closely at what they have taught you and what they're teaching you at the present. And then look around and see who you're surrounded by. And then take each person individually and say, have I learned everything from this person I need to learn? And if your gut feeling, your answer is yes, then go ahead and and, end the contract, phase it out. And let and release that person with love and let them go. Because nine times out of ten, they have other contracts with other people. And you may be just holding them back. And do that with every person that's in your life right now. And it's very uh, freeing to decide, okay, should I release that person and let them go and let them go on down their path and 
finish out what they need to finish out. Um, and a lot of times, there are people that we don't want to let go. You know, we hang on to people like they hang on to us, you know. And that's a hard decision for us, you know, when you're like, but I like that person and I like hanging on to him or her, you know. I'm not ready, but you have to be honest with yourself and say that maybe it is time. So do it. Just make your, just go down and make your list and say, have I learned? Are we done? Have they learned? Are we finished? You know, and then go ahead and release them. And if you're not finished, just know you're not finished. But be honest with yourself and just take it from there. And you I don't think that we do that often, often. I think that's a great idea. And I would say this, too. I think sometimes we overcomplicate the hell out of stuff. We sure do. I, <laughs> I, I mean, tell me about it. I, and I'm one of the people that, that do it. You're talking about me here. <laughs> well, I can do it too. We all can. But you know, I, I think we um, we feel like we must have a zillion life lessons, and we must do blah 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 blah. And and sometimes you come into a lifetime to learn how to love, or how to yes. lighten yourself, or that's how to find really, joy. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it is all about love. Really, it's, it, it is all about love. And we, we come in to learn lessons. And it's like, you know, we don't, all, we don't have to incarnate. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, spirits or souls or, that have never incarnated and will never incarnate. But when we, get, when we do incarnate and we go back over, they're eager to hear what our experience was. And it's like taking a soul, you know, taking a, a class online and then taking a class as hands-on training, you know. Uh, the ones that did the hands-on training have um, more experience. You know, they got down into it and learned it from that way, and and they can share with the ones that only decided to take the online training. Mm-hmm. And not all souls incarnate, so, but they're eager to hear of what our experiences were. So, um, but it is about love and it is about experiences and everything that I uh, heard from those who uh, I worked with, whom I worked with, was it was about love and it was about the most growth was through their pain. They learned through pain how to, how others felt, how others loved how to love others who were in pain. So it, it, is, it is truly all about that and the having the love for the self, like you said. Yeah, I think we do. I think we overcomplicate things. You know, it's really very simple. So, okay, so then my next question to you, and, we, and it may take us longer than um, to the halfway point for this, but uh, my next question is, where am I when I'm not here? When you say some folks have never incarnated, what does that mean? Where are they? They're just in soul form, in pure energy form, and they're part of the consciousness of the universe. 
that's that that's where they are. And it's hard to describe it because I only have an earth brain and I only have earth language and it's hard to describe that with, with the limitations that I have being earth. But the best way I can describe it is there is a plane of consciousness and we as soul forms, we're not even formed, but we as soul energy are there and our soul group resides there, our soul energy resides there. And so I sort of likened it likened it to a huge, huge classroom. And so they're there and they're all knowing. And they choose to learn from those who incarnate and come back and have like a class on, okay, this is my life as Deb Bowen. This is what happened from the day I was born, actually from from about the eighth month in your mom's womb. This is what my experience was coming through the birth now. Um, and then my whole life, and I'm I mean, every single moment, every single movement, action, everything, this is what happened. And so they're, they're basically eager to learn, and they absorb every bit of the knowledge. And they just choose not to take a, um, a human form. So um, that people worry, you know, are we going to run out of souls? You know, are we going to run out of souls? Or are we going to never, 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 ever? No. And are there new souls that are created? There are new souls. Well, uh, which way? Yeah, here on Earth? I mean, you mean when, when the ones that have never uh, incarnated decided to come? Well, let me clarify. Okay, here's okay. what I'm thinking. Okay. So, so are there X number of souls, just X number of souls, and are there ever new souls created or, or, or what they are, how many we got, we got, and whether they incarnate here or stay on that other side or incarnate in other planes or other planets, is there a finite number of souls or is there a time when new souls are created? Well, that's kind of an earth question, but um, because there, there, no numbers don't exist, and uh, the universe, the multiverse, the consciousness expands so large, and we're part of that consciousness. So there, there's really not a number uh, per se. Um, it, we're all part of that huge expansive consciousness that expands over the whole, um, past the Milky Way, past the everything that is, if, you can, if we can let our minds go there. Um, we're part of all that there is there, all that is. And so to pluck out a little piece of it and send it into a body is like taking a teeny, teeny pinch of of a huge piece of bread, a crumb, 
So it's like once you pinch off that crumb and you look back over at that piece of bread, you don't even know where the crumb came from. Right. And you don't even see it. That's how, that's where we are. We're part of the whole huge, big French baguette. (laughs) 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 There is a number there, I'm sure, but to try to figure out where that crumb came, we're just all part of the whole big, huge, expanded consciousness. So there are more souls than we could ever imagine. And there is no finite number. Okay. There is none. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. We'll hang on a minute. Say that and we're at the halfway mark. Hang on to hang on to that thought and then I got a bunch more questions. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, Folks, thank you all so very much for being with us. You are listening to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection podcast. I am Deb Bowen. I am the anchor host of this exciting adventure. And my lovely co-host this week is Dale Ruttman, who is a past life regressionist, a psychic, a medium, a bunch of other things. Um, And there are lots of ways that you can connect with us and learn more about this project and about Dale specifically, and here's some ways that you can do that. You can hear this podcast each week. It airs on Blog Talk Radio at 9 o'clock on Eastern Time on Tuesday nights, and that's um, blogtalkradio.com slash Quest for Connection. You can then listen to archived editions every week on, on demand on iTunes, and our, our iTunes uh, address is in the spirituality category under Death and Friends Quest for Connection. We're working on learning how to make sure that we get it up on YouTube, on our YouTube channel every week. That's a work in progress. You can connect with us on Facebook at Deb and Friends Quest for Connection, on my website, which is debbowen.com, and you can email us at debbowenandfriends at gmail.com. Dale's email address is H-E-H-E-W-U-T-I-0, the the number zero, at gmail.com. And all of this information, including the books that Dale has recommended and some music she's going to recommend, will all be up on our Facebook page uh, tomorrow. You can see it after this airs tonight, so you can see all of this uh, tomorrow morning. And we so hope that in all these various ways that that I have just rattled off, you do connect with us. We're always so happy to to hear from you and appreciate our connection with you. And this week, as you can tell, if you're uh, just joining us perhaps, you will know that Dale is talking about the beginnings of past lives, and we're having a fascinating conversation. So we're glad that you're with us. Thank you so much for, for being here. And Dale, thank you for being with me, dear. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be part of your your uh, eight people, which eight is infinity, which means we could just go forever and ever and ever and ever, right? Absolutely true. <laughs> Absolutely true. It's also the number of abundance, and, and I think that we have uh, abundant joy and information to share with folks, and uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yes, yes, for sure. So, Dale... A couple of other questions, and then I imagine I should hush and let you get on with what's on your notes. But um, one of the questions I get asked is, well, can I ever incarnate on the other side as an angel? That's question number one. 
the counterpoint to that is why are folks like the quintessential person is Hitler? Why are folks like Hitler allowed to incarnate? So I get both sides of that question. Can you speak to that? Oh, my gosh. What great question. Oh, I'm so glad somebody asked that. All right. So, Angel, I got to tell you this. I personally have not come up against any or come up against. I have not had someone who was ever incarnated as an angel that had that was here. Um, angels um, have never incarnated, nor do they wish to. Um, they are totally of service, and they're totally of service because every life we come into, we come in with one spirit guide, which we have chosen uh, to come in with us, and that's what they do. They guide us. And we come in with two angels, and those angels are totally of service, and they come in to sort of look over us. Uh, they watch us closely as babies. They um, make sure that um, we're safe. Um, sometimes when we're young and we're getting maybe into trouble, we're getting lost or something like that, they shine um they shine very brightly so that we can see that and we they lead us back to safety. Um, and we also see them as, as babies when we're uh, in our rooms at night. If we start to, um, if we start to, as babies, if we start to, do we remember home very, very clearly? And we start to think we want to go home rather than stay here, um, we have that option once we're born for a certain amount of time. And so sometimes um, they will show themselves to us um, and they we, we decide then if we want to stay or we want to go home. If we want to go home, they will guide us back. Um, along with our spirit guides, if we decide to stay, they will stay with us. So um, often when babies, uh, the sudden infant, the SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, um, babies go back because they, they long for home. And so that soul decides that they are not going to continue with this life, and they go back home. And they are escorted back with those angels that brought them in. So to answer your question, angels have never incarnated, ever incarnated. Um, So that takes care of that. People, People like Hitler and other people that are just really despicable, okay, so... Hitler, for example, is is someone who chose to come in and absolutely play a role. Um, That soul probably will never incarnate again. Um, And usually those people that come in, and there's some people on this earth right now that 
are playing a substantial role that will probably never incarnate again. Uh, the Hitler in particular and people like him in history um, come in and play a role to bring about change. And that's to bring about massive change for humanity. Now, we know he brought about change, but it wasn't until later that humanity finally looked and said, okay, we are not going to allow genocide for a long, long time. So if we can look at it like he played a role of a villain, say, in a movie, and so finally uh, people turned their eyes toward that and said, oh, my goodness, we've got to stop this genocide. And they went in, and he was stopped. And everyone looked at that and said, that absolutely cannot happen any longer. And uh, Germany, for example, said no more war here. And if you'll notice, Germany is not engaged in war. They have some of our troops in Germany just as a base, but they're not engaged in war. And so it brought about a change there. And usually that's what happens. So it has to be an enormous, an enormous change for someone to come in and play that kind of a role and is so despised. So that is the, that was the role of Hitler. That was that role. If that, yes, that is an interesting thing. And they try not to too many of those, but when it gets to the point that it's necessary, then someone will agree to take that role. And it, it's not, it's not um, a role that is readily um, taken on by, the, uh, by any soul group. By any soul group. So... But that's wow. another interesting, yeah, that's another interesting thing. It is. Whoa. Okay. I know. All right. So where to now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a lot of other opinions on that, you know. I'm um, sure we will. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Um, Okay, I probably have derailed your train a zillion times uh, with your notes. What's what's next on your agenda, things that you want to talk about? Well, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, I think that we as a whole, as as, uh, as humans, as who we are, you know, um, we should, if we can be a little more forgiving and have a little more understanding of, Sometimes why people do the things they do and why they affect us the way they affect us, if we can just keep in mind that a lot of the things that people do and the way we interact with them has to do with what we have put in our contracts, you know. And um, so sometimes, and and I see this over and over where, um, you know, a lot of people come to me and for reading. And they say, you know, 
I'm in this relationship, or I'm in this marriage, or I'm in this, uh, I'm working with someone, or whatever, and they just don't love me anymore. They don't love me anymore. They want out of the relationship. Um, and my job is not working for me anymore, and and I don't know what to do. And one way we have to look, well, one way we have to look at it is that we have to ask ourselves, you know, this is this a contract? Was this a contract? Is the contract over? And one way to tell that the contract is over is how difficult and crazy has it gotten? How ridiculous has it gotten? You know, as far as contracts with people, um, once the craziness starts and the drama never stops, then you might be done. You know, you just might be done with that relationship um, because it's not going to stop and, and it won't get better. So when it gets to be, I mean, ultimate craziness, then you stayed in the contract too long and it will just get crazier and crazier. So that's one way to know that it's time to release it and let it go. Because your next contract coming up might be somebody new and exciting and the person that you're going to live the rest of your life with. And that's the contract that's going to be the really important one. Um, So if we could think of it like that from a higher consciousness, I think that it would be easier for all of us to say, okay, we're role-playing here, and that person's act is over, and I got a new actor coming in, and I'm going to allow that to happen and, and be excited about it. When it comes to a job, you know, when your job starts becoming unfulfilling and it starts to become difficult, maybe relationships there are hard. Um, it doesn't fit who you are anymore. doesn't vibrate with the same rate that you're vibrating anymore. Maybe it's even a career change. And so when it gets to be so ridiculous, and I think you and I both, we both have life experiences with that, right, Jeff? Sometimes Absolutely. It's like, so, I mean, sometimes it's like, this just doesn't make sense anymore. I don't even know why. You know, right. um, <clears throat> then we have to look at it and say, okay, maybe my contract with this job is done. Nobody's fault, you know, but but I'm just looking at it saying, you know, this is just getting quite, you know, just quite ridiculous. On the border of lunatic fringe here. <laughs> you know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I'm just going to back up a little bit and decide that maybe this is time for me to let it go with love and get excited about something new and possible that's coming in. So I think those are good gauges for, um, you know, of being observing of what might be happening. You used mm-hmm. the word vibration a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And and you and I, that's kind of a part of the language that you and I 
speak and the work that we do where we talk about um, raising our vibrations and matching our vibrations to to other folks. And, And really that was one of the ways that this podcast came about was that uh, the seven of you with whom I work and I have a, a match in our vibrations to, to do the work that we're doing together. But but what, when we are, have an awareness of the rate at which our vibrations vibrate, uh, and, and that's really all we are really is vibration anyway, then then that knowledge helps us and I'm really asking you a question here, that knowledge helps us to match our vibrations to others or not. And, and the higher the frequency, the more we raise our vibrations, the more likely we are able to then also connect to spirit. Is that true? That is so true. That is so true. And the higher our vibrations, things start to come together clearly. And you want to be with other people that match your vibration because they're connected to spirit. And you, you don't even have to think about it. It's like I can walk into a room, say, if we're taking a class and you're sitting in a chair, and for some reason, I just want to come sit beside you. I may not even know who you are. But on a higher spiritual level, my spirit is guiding me over to you um, simply because it's matching up with, with your vibration, vibrations. And so I just go right over there and I just say, is this seat taken? And you go, no. And I sit down and next thing you know, you and I are talking. And we're finding out we have a lot in common. We're finding out, you know, that, you know, our, we have the same interests and, Maybe we've done some of the same work um, and that kind of thing. But on the same, by the same token, we can walk in a room and know who we don't want to go over and sit down the side of. And sometimes for some people, that's more obvious or evident than, than knowing, you know, who matches our vibration. We really know who we don't match up with. Right, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and I think, and, you know, as, I, as we're talking here, I am making notes for future podcast conversations with you. Oh, yeah. And, and, and one is the notion of intuition and vibration. Right, uh, right. You know, that, with that, we can have a whole conversation with several of us among, about that conversation. Um, right. And so, and, and then, of course, we, you and I also have uh, another podcast that we're going to do together where we talk about ways that we can raise our vibrations because that's a, that's a whole um, conversation as well. But, sure. but one, of the things, one of the things, just to briefly, that you might want to uh, appreciate you telling people about is how you can use music to raise your vibrations. Well, you can use music to raise your vibrations simply because Music has uh, its own vibration. It's just like words have their own vibration. And music um, is, is wonderful in that it gives off a certain vibration. Um, there's uh, someone who um, figured that out simply by the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, you know, notes. And his name is Solfagio. Um, and it's S-O-L, 
F-E-G-G-I-O, Bolfagio. And he actually added Hertz to it, and that's um, H-E-R-T-Z, Hertz. And so anything over like 432 hertz and above that you listen to raises your vibration. And the uh, chanting uh, of the monks and any chanting uh, also raises it as well. And you can you find out that if you listen to that, uh, even if it's for 10 minutes, you find that you feel so much better and lighter and your mood changes. And so music is very important in raising our vibration. And it needs to be music that's light and flows through you and um, with no words, really. Uh, that's the best music. Just I listen to Gregorian ch- chants and Tibetan chants all the time. Yes. And that's what raises you up, and um, your whole body starts to resonate with that. And it helps to bring you into balance and bring your body into harmony. So if you're feeling down one day or getting sick or something like that, use that, you know, we can all use that music to help bring it back up. Right. Let me switch gears another time here, Dale, because my mind is racing as we've been talking during this hour. Another thing that, that often happens when I do readings for folks, and just by the way, I do have a couple of reading days uh, opening up at the end of this month. Uh, folks can see that on my website, just a little tiny commercial there. It's debbowen.com. But, but as I'm doing readings for folks, a lot of times they will say, well, you know, I believe in a past life I was, I don't know, a nun in France. Mm-hmm. And I will say, well, you probably were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also will. I also think that when I talk to people who have phobias, uh, that that speaks to some issue in a past life or a place to which they're really drawn or a place mm-hmm. to which they have a strong aversion. I, I remember standing on the cliffs in Cornwall at Tintagel with tears streaming down my face. And my traveling companion said, are you okay? And I said, I've come home. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm home. Oh, wasn't that, wasn't that neat? Wasn't that something? Absolutely, absolutely. So is that, is that an accurate thing to say to people? Is yes, whatever you, what you believe yes. to have been true is probably in fact true? Yes, it is. And, you know, we come in with a certain amount of cellular uh, memory. And... Um, Absolutely, and some people end up moving there just simply because they feel like they're called there. And I, um, I actually have um, a memory of being in Pompeii, and it, and I drowned there, and um, and it was before you know the volcano and everything, so it wasn't I wasn't there for that. But man, I and I went there. And I was actually trying to find my house, and I really thought I could find it. Um, I, I didn't find it, but um, and I was with a tour group, and of course, like they won't let you just go everywhere <laughs> you want to. <laughs> but I believe it was there. <laughs> um, but um, absolutely, you know, I think that we come into that cellular memory, and 
you know, a lot of times if you'll look around people's houses, if you start to see things from um, Asia and they collect Asian art or Asian uh, things, trinkets or whatever, more than likely they have a life there. It's just a matter of just observing. Um, some people um, who, you know, were in the Civil War uh, are into reenacting or, you know, into that history or they collect things from the Civil War. So, yes, very much so. Very much. Wow. Okay, Jill, we have about four minutes. So... Um... What what might you want to share with folks in that time we have left? Well, I think what I would like to share is that we all have a soul of spirit that never changes, but it does experience different um, opportunities to incarnate um, as much as it wants. And I want to say, forget karma. Karma's gone, it's over, it's done. We're not going to have to come back, I mean, have to come back and, you know, experience bad things because we did something bad to somebody else. We've all been there and done that. So just know that um, it's your spirit, your soul that chooses to learn. And it's like, it's earth school. That's all it is, earth school. So we have many times and many lives we can experience and many opportunities to incarnate. So when people say, you know, you've only got one life, well, that's not really true. So just relax into it. Relax into it. Take time to laugh and, you know, dance in your joy. Take time to do that and just don't take yourself so serious. It's just, you're here. You're here for a while. When you go back on the other side, it seems like five minutes. Sometimes here it seems like five million years. <laughs> <laughs> Some days seem that long. But, you know, relax into it. Just relax into it. And know that you're okay. And there is no judgment on the other side. When people cross over, it's life review, and it is no judgment. Nobody went to hell and cried like a woman. At least no one that I know of so far. So that's that's my message. Thank you. I well, thank I have you. thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you uh, this week. I know that we have many more to come, and and as the podcast evolves, we will have uh, triads and dyads of of the group <laughs> of us having conversations together. I can just imagine some of the notes that I've made uh, for our conversation today evolving into podcast with me and you and who, who knows else of the team. So, so I'm really excited about that. Folks, you have been listening to Quest for Connection. I am Deb Bowen, the anchor host. My co-host this week is Dale Ruttman. Please follow us on iTunes and on Facebook at Quest for Connection, and you can learn more about the, this exciting adventure and connect with us. And so in the meantime, folks, we'll be back with you next week, and we invite you to keep questing. Thank you again, and good night. <laughs>